15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oreo Park at Camden Yards, a very sunny, the sun streaming into our window. It is the Mass on All Access podcast. Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco, here with you. Got an exciting podcast. It's been a very media-heavy day for us in the Mass and Web studio. Yeah, it's been busy. And you mentioned the sun. Like, it was pouring down rain a half hour ago. True. They so. j- j- perfect timing. They just got the game in. Right. And now it's gorgeous. We can go enjoy our as, afternoons. As we've been running around, so has Mother Nature. Yeah. But, yeah, a very busy day. Um, Mass and All Access was on O's Extra this morning. On, um, this is on true. The O's Extra pregame show on Mass and. That was fun. You... Paul, we're hopping on the radio. You just hopped on the Midnight Sports Report. Um, Bobby, all over the place. I'm getting unconfirmed reports that you you were actually replaced by a wax doll. <laughs> in if you watch that video this morning, yes, I am breathing. No, I am not a robot. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, here's give, the give thing. me your side. Here, of here's the thing. Before I Paul, just crush you. Yeah. Here's the thing. <laughs> we did very little to let's. Some could say no preparations <laughs> for this segment. We we found out about it what earlier this week. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm not shouting out the Mass and Camera Group or Sarah, Sarah Perlman, but they she show up they're like, all right, places everyone, and we just kind of go. And it's like, all right, do we look at the camera? Do we pretend like we're working? I'm cracking up watching it because I look, I just look like an idiot because I am staring at no more than you usually our, our, do. Our, our live stream monitor with you at the desk, and <laughs> I'm pretending to run a Mass and All Access live Facebook show. Yeah, and then Sarah goes on camera and interviews you. Clearly, we're not doing a show at right. this time. Right. So it just looks so like uh, pushing a graphic, uh, pushing this a bit lower third, yeah. um, oh, it, showing this highlight. I was like, what am I doing here? If so it makes I, you feel better, I was just typing and deleting and then retyping everything into a Google Doc. I just wasn't sure. Like, should we have looked at the camera? Look, hindsight's twenty twenty. Probably should have looked at the Probably camera. Probably should have looked a little wave little to wave, the folks at home. I think. Because it, it did kind of seem like... Um, this is an odd reference. You ever see Halloween Town? Like the Disney Channel yes. original movie? Yeah, of course. Th- that scene in Halloween Town where all those people are frozen. She goes into the movie yeah, theater and yeah. she's like waving in front yeah, of their yeah. head. It kind of felt like that. Um, look, Olivia Witherite does an amazing job that was not fully captured on camera, I will say. Um, she <laughs> did not even. Instagram lineup. <laughs> it was like, but it was so funny because you two were. I'm sorry, very inhuman during it. It was like... No, it was literally like there's robotic. there's a camera with a bright light and a girl with a microphone right next to you and in front of your face, and she, <laughs> Olivia's just like, la, Again, la, this la. is what I'm saying. Like, we just should, type, 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 type. Should have had rules or, or, yeah. or, or, or uh, like... Well, I think she followed hey, we're your gonna lead, w- Bobby. I, I'm, I'm going to play some of the blame on you. Okay, that's... F- well, I don't know. It's their segment. Like, I didn't want to... You at least had I headphones. Had, Paul, I, I, I did have... Listening to nothing. Actually, I was just listening to the same Gary Thorne this... I listen to the these sound bits the yes, over and over again yeah. to make it look like I was doing something or hitting something. I, um, I Afterwards, I went onto the live stream, the computer, where we run everything, and I just saw that you would put the highlights just on a constant loop yep. as if to show something is going on. Yep. Um, we ended up not doing an actual show today, so it was all fake. Everything in life is a lie. Um, 
but I am that attractive. I am truly that. Okay, attractive. here we go. Well, here, here's another thing too. It's like like you said, Olivia does so much on behind the scenes, like beyond. Like she's basically your, your program director in terms of yeah. maximal access. Um, and on top of that, being a social media head, but she does not like being on camera, which is fair. Yeah. So. For, but for me, I don't have an excuse. Like it's fine that Olivia just kind of did her little work. Right. At the I don't. I don't mind being on camera. I, I, it doesn't bother me. So I could have shown a little more emotion. Well, here's the thing. I it's, just didn't want to turn and say hi to Sarah and be like, cut, start yeah. over. No, what? What are you doing? It's like, okay, I'm sorry. Hi, grab the mic. Hi, Bobby Blanco, yeah. Madison yeah. Alexis. Uh, the, what is even more inhuman is the fact that Olivia Witherite is sitting mere feet from us. Not looking at us, hearing us rip her, and texting, and texting us, us that she's going to come on the show and defend herself at some point next week. And uh, she she can merely walk over here and hop on a mic, but she refuses to do so. She's just shaking her head, not even making eye contact with she us. She waved. It's everything that you might expect from a social media manager. She is playing that part right She'd now. shoot us off on our own show. We are on our own podcast, and she shoot us. Yeah. Um, she she doesn't have time for this, uh, this these shenanigans, which I completely understand. Yeah. Um, look, frankly, we got every dog has its day. That's something. Every bird has its day. These three birds got their day today. Yes, in the, in we the, did the shine in the spotlight. We did, and you know what? Shout out to well, let's let's tap our, our ourselves on the back here, Paul. I mean, we've got this opportunity because <laughs> Masson and the Orioles liked our little adventure on Tuesday yeah. when we went down to Salisbury and, and checked out the shorebirds and, and their hot start to the season and all the great players that they have playing well. Well, I'm just so glad that you brought that up, Bobby, because oh, yeah. later on in this podcast, we were going to bring in Will DeBoer. We talked to him when we were down there. little uh, two-on-one conversation yep. happened when with the broadcaster down there. He gives us kind of everything that's going on with that 34-10 and 10 team. Don't sell him short broadcaster, head of PR, head of communications. I mean, that man does everything. Does it all. You think we do a lot. That guy is the point of contact. He's the voice of the team. I mean, he is a true five-tool player down there. So uh, we're going to go to that conversation in just a little bit. Um, But first, Bobby, tough week for the O's uh, against the Yankees. They were giving up too many homers to Gleyber Torres. We know that to be true. Good Lord. Too many to Gary Sanchez. Um, at this point, the pitching staff is really what's struggling. We're still seeing some bright, shining spots from Renato Nunez, who had a game-tying homer today. Good to see him starting to get back on track. Obviously, Trey Mancini is still continuing to rake. Um, it's just the pitching staff, and I expect it to get better at some point. Um, but this constant carousel between Norfolk and Baltimore in terms of the pitching staff hasn't really yielded a whole lot of results. Right, but, but look, I mean, look at these scores, Paul, and talking about this four-game. Let's, let's not talk about the Cleveland series. These four games against the Yankees, a first-place team, um, a team that despite all their injuries are, are finding ways to win and putting up huge numbers. They are just absolutely slugging the Orioles this season, by the way. Yeah. But 10-7 to on Monday, 11-4 to on Tuesday, seven to five yesterday, Wednesday, and then this afternoon on Thursday, six to five, a one game loss. The Orioles are scoring runs in these yeah. games. I mean, the, like you said, Renato Nunez coming up big. We've seen um, Jonathan VR come up big, uh, Rio Ruiz, Trey Mancini, obviously, is one of the best hitters, if not the best hitter on this team. Dwight Smith Jr. There are opportunities. Richie, Mar- Richie Martin hit his first home run the other night. Yeah, um, that was, was a, awesome. A to cool see. moment. And, and that started off a huge inning that, that made that 7 5 game a yeah. two run game. I mean, that started off a huge three run inning for the Orioles. So, I mean, you look at these, these past couple of games, yeah, they're all L's, but. 
there are some positives to be taken away. They're scoring runs. If you if you would have told me that the the Orioles would have scored, now let's talk about the bullpen and giving up the home runs and, and the starting pitching at another time. But if yeah. you said they're going to score seven, four, five, and five runs against the Yankees, like oh, I would take that. Yeah, and especially with how beat up Yankees have been in terms of their big power hitters not being in the being able to be in the lineup. So I, I mean, and we've we're going to talk about this before. We have talked about this before. We're going to keep talking about it. It's, you know what, and Brandon Hyde said this too, yeah, obviously we want the win-loss record to be better, mm-hmm. but the way like we're Elias going about it, Elias said it too, uh, the way we're going about it is, is good. But there are signs that, hey, we're yeah. not just rolling over. We're competing. We're, we're, we're sticking in it. This was a pretty gut-wrenching week for the, for the yeah. Orioles, but they went about it the right way, and, and they fought to the very end. And I give Brandon Hyde credit because he is a very positive person, and he's very positive when talking about this team. But he did mention the fact that the Orioles are giving up too many homers to the same guys. And oh especially God. in that Yankee series, he said, we come in with a pitching plan. We definitely have a pitching plan. And it's definitely not to throw right over the heart of the plate to certain guys. Um, so I, I, I give him credit as well for calling out stuff that you can control, right? I mean, when you have a talent gap at, at, a, at any level, you know, you appreciate the hard work. You appreciate um, other things. And for him to call out something that, look, you can control. You can, you, you, it is up to you to stick to a plan. You have a plan, you have to stick to it. And that's something that he, you know, didn't have to do. He could have, you know, kind of rolled over and said, um, you know, we're staying positive about this and, you know, uh, made good pitches, just hit him. No, he said those were bad pitches. Yeah. They're right over the middle of the plate, yeah. and they hit him out. And that you can turn situations like that, hopefully, into learning experiences. Right, there's no excuses other than... You know they beat us. We're yeah. not we're not playing well enough. You yeah. know it's not that well we're young and well we're still learning. Yeah. Or it's not you know uh, we're you. I, I, I'm loving the fact that we're not hearing and Brandon Hyde has said this from day one in his opening press conference. We're, I, we're not. I'm not going to use the term rebuild. Right. You know, we're not using that as a fallback or or you know you and I can possibly use that as like a well they're rebuilding. You know you get, let's give them some slack. They're they're. Yeah. At least they're trying. Brandon Hyde refuses to do that. No, he expects his players to go out, stick to the game plan, execute it, and, and come out with a victory every night. And and so it has to be frustrating for him that, you know, the win-loss record is what it is, but you can't get better if your expectations aren't set to the right levels. Or right. If they're not high enough. If you're expecting to be mediocre or bad, you're going to be mediocre or bad for a long time. You have to expect to be good in order yeah. to turn this whole thing around. Exactly. It's... Uh, you know, no matter where the organization is in terms of their talent level and everything, you as a manager want to win. You should, you have to want to win yeah. because that's that's you you know that's at the end of the day that's your job. And we're we're seeing it from these guys like we talked about. Renato Nunez is hitting a couple home runs in this series, and guys guys are we've talked about who are have come in as maybe placeholders for this season, but are are, are fighting and for their roster spots, fighting for their careers, and and playing well. And you have to give Brandon Hyde credit for that because yeah. his attitude has trickled down through that clubhouse, through these guys who are going in day in and day out, you know, probably knowing, hey, our team is not as good as the team across from us, but that does not mean I'm not going to give my all. That does not mean we can't yeah, beat them. Exactly. Well, there are great things happening throughout the entire organization. Thelmarva Shorebirds have gotten a lot of well-deserved attention. Bobby, you and I, in addition to one of our producers, Ryan went down there during the week. Uh, it's a little bit of a drive. Two hours down to Salisbury, but... Leaving at noon and then leaving around 6.30, no traffic, so it's it. a straight shot. Got Chick-fil-A on the way back. Got a lot of 
sun. Some might say sunburn. Some might say that. For Ryan's case, yes. For Ryan. I would say we got just healthy sun. Yeah. I got a good base nice tan. Um, but it was a fun time. We were able to talk to Caden Grenier, talk to Adam Hall, talk to uh, Drew Rom, talk to a good bunch of guys. Good walk and talk with Daniel Fajardo, uh, a lot of guys on this. The skip. Yeah. So be sure to check out our full show if you haven't seen it already. Masson Orioles Facebook page. It's about half an hour loaded with tons of stuff. Kyle Moore, the manager, is just a fascinating guy to talk to as well. So that's all good, well and good, and we were able to, as mentioned, talk to the broadcaster, the everyman, Will DeBoer, about the Delmarva Shorebirds. Take a listen to that interview. Here on the Masson All Access Podcast, Paul and Bobby and now joined by Will DeBoer, who is the everyman for the Delmarva Shorebirds, broadcaster, PR guy, you do it all, Will. Uh, I appreciate you for coming today, uh, Paul. Thanks for waiting on the everyman. <laughs> so this is, we, we had to come down here and get this team because you guys have obviously been crushing it. You have 30, you're 33 and nine at the time of this recording. That's more wins than any team in Major League Baseball and you've played fewer games. It, it seems like you guys are, are playing together, playing as a team and you're pulling out close games as well. It's uncanny. It's a kind of baseball, I've described it as lunch pail. There's no nonsense to it at all. We just hit the ball well, a lot of singles strung together, uh, walking at the right times, and getting on base when you need to, and just coming through in the opportune moments, waiting for the other team to make mistakes. You know, the, the, one of the philosophies of baseball is the team that makes the fewest number of mistakes is going to win the game. Right. That's been the Shorebirds this year, time after time. And they really do fight to the last man. Nine of those wins have been decided in uh, our last at bat. And 27 of the 33 wins now are by three runs or fewer. Wow. That's pretty incredible when you think about any level of baseball, whether it be high school, through the minor leagues, and major league. I mean, it reminds me of back a couple years ago, the Orioles led the all-major league baseball and winning one-run games and close games like that. And I think it's interesting to see how that kind of mindset trickles down through the entire system where it's like we're batting for the last man. You know, there's 27 outs. Let's use every single out we get and and, and fight to the last the last man standing. And, and it's interesting to see how the shoreboards all the way down here in low single A have taken that same mentality. Yeah, it's the sort of thing where you're never truly out of it. Right, no yeah. matter the deficit, no matter the situation, comebacks have been old hat. <laughs> you know, the most spectacular one came against Lakewood last month. Uh, you had the interview with JC and Carnassio, and after yep. that, in the span of 11 minutes to go from getting no hit and down 5 nothing to winning right. at 7-5 yeah. on the Grand Slam, I mean, if, if that's not going to make you say never say die over yeah. and over again, right. nothing will, and you yeah. don't have a pulse. Yeah, exactly. And you're doing all this under a manager who's in his first year with the team, obviously was promoted from Aberdeen, and he's you know been with the Orioles organization, but his first year here in Salisbury. What have you learned so far about uh, Kyle Moore and the job that he's done with this team? Well, it seems like every button he pushes has uh, worked out well. A lot of that has to do with the players, but you know, KMO, he may be in his first year managing here, but he's you know an Oriole lifer. He's been yeah. in the system either as a player or a coach or a manager for 10 years now wow. when they signed him out of Alabama undrafted all those years ago. He used to it, play for Delmarva, didn't he? Yeah, years he, ago? he played here in 10. He was a bullpen catcher here in 11. <laughs> He's been a strength coach, a fourth coach, a hitting coach for Delmarva, and now a manager. So wow. he knows this ballpark and he knows this league spectacularly well. You know, he's, a, he's an Oriole man, but he's also 
I think he's really bought into uh, what the new regime is doing in terms of uh, all the new information and, and new approaches that have been um, instituted mm. over the past couple months. He's really bought into that, and uh, it seems to be paying dividends. That's awesome. Speaking of that new regime, what does it say about him as what he look, what like Michael Eisen come and look at him, and how he comes across in their eyes that he, they come in, they're basically revamping the whole, the whole thing. They're turning it upside down, starting a whole new international scouting department. But they see a few select guys who are already who have been here and say, no, we're, we're going to keep you, and not only keep you, but promote you up and move you up and through the ranks. Well, I think they're going to look at Kyle Moore and say, uh, that's a guy we need in our system for years to come. Yeah, I mean, he he already knows the Orioles inside and out. He's uh, taken to the, the new approaches. I think he's the perfect hybrid of someone who has been here in the past and can really lead the team into the future. Yeah, And it's always something to keep an eye on with organizations. You want that kind of depth, not just player-wise, but coaching-wise, because you know, if you have a team that starts winning you have, uh, at the major league level, those coaches go quickly. You know, you see guys that are pitching coaches that are hitting coaches that get taken by other teams. So to have that organizational depth, I think is huge. And you look at the, the roster of this team, you started out the season with really two aces. You had Blaine Knight and Grayson Rodriguez. You lost Blaine Knight in a good way as he got promoted up. And Grayson Rodriguez, the first uh, round pick by the Orioles last year, both those guys seem to have major league stuff, and it seems like they're on a, a track that is just rocketing up towards the big leagues. Oh, my word. Well, Knight, we were sad to see him go, but honestly, he was ready. Yeah. 23 yeah. innings scoreless streak before he left here. You know, wow. College guy, yeah. won a college World Series game in Arkansas uh, last year. Ironically enough, against Caden Grenier in Oregon State. <laughs> but, you know, I... Uh, you know, he was wonderful, and we were lucky to have him for as long as we did. Yeah. Grayson has been a total revelation. 19 years old. He, he uh, you know, 11th round pick, or 11th overall pick last year, first mm -hmm. round. Would have gone to Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. um, Kyle Moore was talking with John Mioli a couple weeks ago saying, you know, if he was at a Texas A&M right now, he'd be the best pitcher in all of college baseball. At 19 years old, the wow. freshman. Wow. He has got, well, the fastball is just incredible to watch, but he's got command of his off-speed pitches that no 19-year-old ought to have. Yeah. It's incredible, really. And the poise he shows on the mound as well. There have been a couple of innings where he's given up a leadoff single and a walk or vice versa, and he's had a couple men to deal with early on. Doesn't rattle him. <laughs> Nothing faces him. He, yeah. he gets out of it just about every time. He's, he's 5-0 and already this season. You know, I know w wins aren't as valued as they used to be. It sure looks nice to look at. Yeah. It's nice to see 5-0 and as a record. 145 is the ERA coming in, and he's pitching tonight against Lakewood, a team that he beat earlier this year. Six innings, one hit, ten strikeouts. What's that like? Like, minor league ball, it's so tight-knit. Like Paul said earlier, you, you're, you do everything around here. You, you guys are very close to the coaching staff and the players because you mentioned earlier off-camera or before we started recording that you guys got an early this morning um, from North Carolina from a game last night. You know, what's that like, though, that kind of balance where, like, I'm excited for guys like Blaine to get promoted, but you hate to see them go. And then, you know, it's a good thing for the organization that you have so many young talent that are crushing the ball or pitching really well down here, but then they get a quick promotion up to the next level or keep going. What's that kind of like being like kind of a tight-knit family, but then having seen guys leave because they're playing so well? Well, as a primary uh, Shorebird employee uh, who just happens to work with Orioles guys, you know, you're always on pins and needles, you, you think, Okay, we're really, really good. Are we too good right now? Are they about to blow up the team? That, <laughs> yeah. It happened last year. We had Zach Lowther, Michael Bauman, TJ Nickton promoted around this time, and, and it right. all went kaput. But, you know, it's, it's really exciting when you've got it. Yeah. And when so many of these guys are performing well at once, you know, they can't promote all of them right. at the same time. And, and really, uh, 
it's just, you know, it's incredible to see from a community standpoint. We get so many more calls in asking, hey, when's Grayson pitching? Or when's this guy is pitching? When, yeah. when Knight's pitching? He's been great. The entire rotation stepped in, though, too. You know, when Blaine Knight went up, we had a, a pitching tandem, Gray Fenter and Drew Rahm, who's another top prospect. Right. They just split them up, and, and they've been money in the rotation, too. Rahm has about a 16-inning scoreless streak right now. Fenter had uh, Tommy John about three years ago, but he's, he's starting to come out of that, and he looks rock solid. Ofelke Peralta's back. He's got a fastball that's major league ready at this point, yeah. and he's still so young, just 22. Mm -hmm. Hector Guansi has uh, been solid. He took a no-hit bid into the sixth in Columbia earlier this month. Nice. You look at that and you say, there are no holes. Yeah. There are no holes in this rotation when everybody's on their game, which means there are no days where you look at and see, ah, it might be tough on that day. You look at it and, you know, you can't win every game in baseball, right. but this is as close as you can come to saying, we could win every single game this week. That's awesome. And on the offensive side, it's not just the pitching that mm. has been dominant. You guys don't, you're pretty much middle of the pack in terms of homers, but you're top or second in the league in terms of batting average. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got a lot of guys that are hitting for for high averages. Uh, Robert Newstrom, although he is injured, was doing really well. Adam Hall has been a revelation, it feels like. Um, and then you've got uh, Caden Grenier, who was a second round pick last year. Who are some of the guys, uh, you know, we hear those names, I feel like, over and over again. Are there any guys that we're not talking about that have been key to this offense? Well, I'd say the entire outfield uh, right now, mm -hmm. uh, with Newstrom uh, injured, mm -hmm. we've had Robbie Thorburn step in, uh, 31st round pick in 17 out of the UNC Wilmington. Uh, Kyle Moore liked him a lot last year in Aberdeen. He was an all-star, mm -hmm. hustled all the way, made the Brank Camp roster, didn't quite crack the opening day roster. He's come in. He's been a revelation, like you said, mm -hmm. in May. 12 multi-hit games. He's hitting something like 330. His first three career home runs came within the span of, uh, of two weeks. He wow. had a home run. His first career home run came in his 100th game in a one nothing shutout win in Columbia. Oh, nice. Wow. Thorburn's been incredible. Great range out there, too. He's in left. On the other side, right field, you got Doran Turchin, a 14th rounder out of Illinois last year. Mm -hmm. He has been uh, notching the extra base hits like no other, driving in runs. They put him in the RBI slots, and he is obliged. In center, you've got basically a human tarp in Nick Horvath, uh, ex-Florida Gator, a rare guy who bats right and throws left. You know, yeah. I, I don't know about that, but he... Right. You know, he can do whatever he wants if he covers the range that he does. Wow. Gets on base, runs, and yeah, you're right. We are first in the league in batting average right now by a wide margin. Right. First in on-base percentage by a wide margin. Not doing it with a lot of doubles, triples, homers, but just stringing them together. Yeah. Getting contributions from all of them. And then that's the outfield uh, catching-wise. We've got Daniel Fajardo, who may be the best minor league catcher in our entire system. When he started this year, we're 20-2. and two and our pitchers have sub two ERAs. It's wow. something like 195 at some point. He is you know, a backstop unlike any other. You, you can't run on him. He'll throw you out more than half the time. Wow. We're, we're blessed to have him back yeah. here this year. Yeah. You mentioned, so the, the leading the league in batting average, that is something that the big league club has not done in a long time. The Orioles for so many, for the Buck Showalter era, was hitting the home run, hitting the home run ball. This year now with Brandon Hyde and, and Michael Elias and their use of the numbers, we're seeing that kind of shift to more of a small ball approach, you know, take your pitches, get the ball, put the ball in play, get on base, move over, stuff like that. That's something I think a lot of Orioles fans have been 
asking for and wanting to see more of. As, as you see that kind of trickling down, like even down all the way down here to the minor league levels, because like you said, they don't really hit for average. They don't even hit for that many doubles, or sorry, for home runs or doubles or extra base hits. But they're getting on base and they're getting over and they're scoring guys, and that's how almost you win all the, a lot of these close one-run games and such. I think everybody's taken the approach of Jonah Hill and Moneyball now. Yeah. He gets on base. He gets on base. Right. He gets on base. <laughs> yeah. Everybody gets on base, and really, that's. Uh, you know, my dad had an old saying. He still has an old saying. He's still alive. Uh, <laughs> if, if if the Shorebirds or whoever doesn't make an out, we win the game. Yeah, and right. that's the way it's it's happening. They're they're not making outs and they're winning games. More than that, though, they're they're hustling too. They're playing a brand of baseball that I think even Earl Weaver would appreciate, even right. with the advanced analytics. I'll take you to a snapshot of a game in Greensboro mm -hmm. uh, last week. So we're up one nothing in the fifth inning. Uh, Hall's on first base after a single. Caden Grenier hits a chopper back to the mound. Uh, the pitcher boots it. It's off his right foot. He kicks it into right field mm -hmm. for you know an infield single, even though it goes into right. Hall immediately thinks, I'm going to take third. So he rounds second, heads to third. Mm -hmm. The throw goes there, and immediately on seeing the throw, Grenier decides, I'm going to take second. <laughs> yeah. So Hall slides in safely. Grenier gets the foot in just before the tag. So instead of first and second, and it's second and third. Yeah. And yeah. the infield has to come in. And Doran Turchin comes up and notches a single through the hole, drawn mm -hmm. in infield on the left side. And it's a two-run single. We go up three to nothing. Uh, they hit a two-run homer in the next half inning. And we hold on to win three to two. Without that hustle, it's 2-2, two -two, or we perhaps even lose the game. Yeah. So it's, it's a combination of the new school, get on base at any means necessary, versus the old school, Billy Martin, keep the pressure on all the time and make the other team make mistakes, and that's how you win. Also taking advantage of their mistakes and playing yeah. smart baseball, seeing going from first to second on a third to third, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, that's really interesting. That was really yeah, cool good, and good fundamental baseball, yeah. and it's good to be seen that, that Orioles fans are getting to see this at every level of the minor leagues. Will DeBoer, thank you so much for, for hopping on here. You guys are having a magical season. I hope it continues for you guys. Oh, I appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for coming out. We're glad you could make it. We, we're glad that what we're doing is getting noticed uh, at the mothership. And, uh, yeah, come back anytime. Yep. Unless, of course, we lose tonight, then, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put you through a, 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 a rehab period. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where can we find yeah. you on Twitter? Uh, at Will DeBoer, uh, W-I-L-L. D-E-B-O-E-R, just nice and simple. And uh, Perfect. Yep, the Shorebirds are at Shorebirds. Gotcha. Uh, follow along for our great uh, tweet games in the <laughs> middle of games. Great gift game there. Yeah, you and, guys uh, you guys have a little bit more freedom than like the major league teams, mm -hmm. and it's great to see you guys get real, really creative really, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the gift games. I'm just saying <laughs> they're working the Orioles game, and I have to make a gift from a broadcast, but you guys are using like gifts from like popular movies and pop culture. It's like, that'd be so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> lots of West Wing, lots of good places. Yeah, nice. So that's, that's I'm how a you big know that. Fan. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like awesome. That. Well, thanks so much, Will. Right, thank you.